Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. If you remember the movie from the early 2000s, Anchorman, the idea of Panda Watch. I feel like we're on kind of like Panda Watch Day 3, or maybe it's uh, Caleb Downs Watch Day 3 at this point in time. Downs has been in the transfer portal. Georgia fans have been feeling like that is good news we continue to wait on all of that here today so we're talking about that with the on dog nation daily presented by kroger and just kind of feeling our way around here jeff centel going to help us with this coming up in just a little bit so a lot to give you on perhaps where all of this stands here that is coming up in just a few minutes time can we do something though while we're waiting you know kind of while we're passing the time and hopeful to hear some good news maybe on caleb downs at some point in time today can we do something while we're waiting here for a moment because I was thinking about this as it relates to Downs so when a guy like this who chose Alabama and we talked yesterday about what Downs father told 24-7 sports about the fact that felt like he got good coaching there and going to play for Nick Saban was a thing he was glad he got to do even if it was just for one year we would say that makes sense I mean Alabama's obviously had a very successful program Nick Saban's obviously a very good coach and uh you know you know pretty clearly they have a history of developing guys for the NFL all of that makes a lot of sense and in the absence of that the sort of obvious next choice is a place like Georgia which also has a great history of putting big time defensive backs in the NFL and just sort of players on the defensive side of the ball in general and you know it is just sort of if you're looking for a new home and if you're thinking about I've got 24 months to develop me the best that I possibly can to move on to the NFL draft well obviously Georgia to a lot of us and to a lot of the rest of college football sort of seems like the obvious choice in all of that that is the brand that Georgia has built on that side of the ball and sometimes you sort of wonder if we're in sort of a next phase of development for Georgia on the offensive side of the ball so that in future years recruits transfers whoever else like Caleb Downs who say you know what if I want to make this decision, I'll just go to Georgia because it just sort of seems like the obvious choice that if Georgia could be in the midst of sort of building something on the other side of the ball that sort of functions kind of the same way. And I'll tell you why I thought about that. Uh, when Kirby Smart the other day, the obvious Georgia coach, was on with 92.9 The Game, we've talked about the interview that he did on the Steakhouse, our buddy Rusty Mansell, Steak Shapiro, uh, they're doing that. One of the things that Kirby was asked was about the return of Carson back. And I thought it was very interesting that in discussing Beck's return for the upcoming season, Kirby almost talked as much about like the forward thinking part of this, of what this could do for Georgia over the course of the long haul. He almost talked about that part of that as much as he talked about the individual impact that Beck could make on this upcoming season, which obviously will be the final year that he plays in a Georgia uniform. The, the the conversation that Kirby sort of spun it to was more broad than that and kind of the the signal that I think it sends for the program over the course of the long haul I sort of find this to be interesting and so as we all kind of bide our time here and wait for some good news we hope out of the transfer portal let's talk about Carson Beck a little bit and his return to Georgia and what Kirby Smart said about that the other day take a listen to this it's a huge momentum builder I think it gives a lot of confidence in the program that the things are headed in the right direction he has enough confidence and and us as coaches and uh, um, and it's the staff to continue to uh, lead and direct him in the right direction. I mean, it's 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 ultimately a business decision for him. He's looking at it as can he grow and extend his NFL career by being at Georgia another year, therefore being more prepared 
for the NFL when he goes. And I thought he did a real good job researching things. He had a lot of help around him uh, in terms of getting good information and not making an emotional decision. But, uh, I thought he, I mean, he, he could have come out and it would be the right decision for him. He could have stayed and it would be the right decision for him. There's no true right or wrong for him. I think he, he made the decision that, that, that fit him best. And uh, his long-term goals are to play a long time in the NFL, and he wants to prepare a little more and, and win some games while he's doing it. So it's certainly big for us because it had a, it had a major impact on not only recruiting but, but guys deciding to stay with him. There are like three things I want to get to from that clip, and I want to sort of work my way backwards on all of that. First of all, you hear Kirby Smart say, hey, this impacted us in recruiting. This impacted us for guys in the transfer portal. People notice when a guy like Carson Beck comes back. And that's what I'm sort of saying here, is that you know when Caleb Downs is looking for a new school, well, of course you just go to Georgia. Look what Georgia does for guys like you. Admittedly, even with Georgia being a great program, a program that's capable of winning multiple national championships and really kind of being a fixture in sort of the national scene, I don't know that it's always been that obvious and easy for for prospects to make that choice on the offensive side of the ball. And this is just a fact of life. No one's kind of perfect in every regard. Everyone's got strengths and weaknesses. And the perception, I think some of this has been enhanced by negative recruiting at times, but the perception is, uh, well, you know, Georgia's fine for defense or it's fine for line of scrimmage. But if you're a quarterback, if you're a skill position player, is that really the place that you're going to want to go? And what Kirby Smart says is Beck's decision to return can be part of the evolution where all of a sudden, you know, that as a way of negative recruiting against UGA, that no longer works anymore because people are noticing Beck's decision to come back. Now, Kirby also kind of talks about sort of the, I guess, the tangible facts of that decision. And I do believe that Carson, for his own best interest has probably made the best choice for him because you can come back you can learn more you can develop more and you can kind of move yourself from what was it the the most likely I guess draft projection sort of had for Beck maybe like a second round pick which is not necessarily a bad place to be but by playing better at Georgia for one more year all of a sudden now you're talking about not just being in the first round but you're perhaps talking about being the kind of the front end of the first round and the sort of life-changing eight-figure money that obviously uh you would want if you had the chance to get that with a better year at UGA another really good year I should say at UGA all, all of a sudden now you know Carson Beck's sort of that discussion so from Beck's perspective perhaps you know he's sort of done right by himself on all of this and admittedly we are you know obviously a little selfish around here we also like what this could mean you know for Georgia overall because as we've sort of talked about and we'll talk to Jeff Sintel more about this here coming up in a moment you know the eyes of the world are watching and a guy like Julian Lewis the quarterback committed to USC formerly a class of 2026 we found out this week that Lewis is now going to reclassify to the class of 2025 and you know a guy like that you know before he sort of made what was sort of the obvious choice for him. If you're a quarterback, where do you go? You go to USC, you work with Lincoln Riley. That's the guy who made Kyler Murray into a Heisman winner and made Baker Mayfield into a Heisman winner and had great success with this quarterback, and that's just sort of what he is. That's what Riley has been, and that's kind of what Georgia hasn't been. But all of a sudden now you see Beck coming back for a year, and you see Beck filling the shoes of a guy before him in Stetson Bennett who became a Heisman finalist. And all of a sudden people are kind of watching this here now, and they're saying, 
well, you know what? You know, maybe Georgia is a destination spot for quarterbacks. Maybe that's what this is. And that's why when Kirby Smart used a word like momentum builder in a clip like that, I, I think it, I think it resonates really well. And I think you're kind of moving into as Kirby Smart goes into what is this year nine coming up for Kirby and the Georgia job? You're almost seeing sort of a next phase of the development. Nobody can say that anyone does a better job overall of bringing in the kind of defensive prospects that Georgia just always seems to win with. And they don't just win with them on the recruiting trail. They bring them in and they develop them into something really special while they're at UGA. No one can dispute Georgia's ability to do that. That has been proven time and time again. And now you're starting to see the 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 makings of that same kind of thing on the offensive side of the ball the honest truth is for the last three years Georgia's averaged about 40 points per game that is a legit offense they're one of the you know highest scoring offense in the SEC here this past season and the quarterback that allowed them to achieve that level of success as Kirby just said in the clip you heard he looked around he saw the development that he was getting he saw the players he was going to have a chance to play with and he said I want to come back and run it back and one more time go about my business here and take care of some of that unfinished business that uh, Carson was talking about back in Miami prior to the Orange Bowl that's what I want to be a part of Kirby calls that an incredible ringing endorsement and I believe uh, that is indeed the case Carson Beck likes what George is doing on the offensive side of the ball and that could prove to be very bad news for much of the rest of college football because they have been very comfortable with the notion of yeah Georgia's fine on defense and guys like Caleb Downs they may want to go transfer there because they think they can get to the NFL that way but they're nothing special on offense they're nothing you know great on offense that's not what Georgia's strength is when a guy like Beck comes back and transfer receivers come to the program because they want to play with him and enhance their own status because of that an offensive lineman like Tate Ratledge say hey I could go to the NFL but I'm ready for one more year at UGA because of what this could be and on and on and on those decisions go that it, what it certainly seems like is uh, possible here and the Beck decision seems to foreshadow that is that moving forward Georgia will be just as strong on the offensive side as it has been on the defensive side and that is a notion for Georgia fans that's plenty fun to think about my name's brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans hello to you glad to have you with us this is sort of our final day in this studio first of all we've been here since 2021 you know we bounce around studios every couple of years it seems like but uh this is sort of our swan song here in this studio here today and in some respects i'm sort of happy to see it come to an end a lot of you know we've had some issues here over the last few months and so brand new horizon for us that's going to uh be a lot of fun and of course because of the issues we've had we also know we've been kind of recording these early morning to kind of deliver to you there at 10 a.m so as we're watching the caleb down stuff we'll have more on that coming up in a moment if something were to happen with that we'll do like we did the other day we'll just sort of pop in i, I will break in we'll talk and we'll hit that live but for now we're kind of uh viewing this and sort of the anticipatory status of what is coming next on all of that and of course a big thanks to our friends at kroger who make all of this possible today kroger been with us for a long time we're certainly grateful to all of them and don't forget really exciting stuff coming up at kroger i love the guided kids cooking experience we call kroger chef junior i just think that's a, a great thing and I, I love the idea that one more time this month that's coming up tomorrow get a chance to make some chicken salad there as a part of the kroger chef jr experience now it's just seven dollars per child you go to kroger chef jr and find out all the details that you need there on that in addition to you and your kid getting a chance to be a part of this cooking experience your child's also going to receive an apron a patch 
chef's hat, and a spatula. Who doesn't want a spatula in their life? Uh, all of that coming your way, just $7 per child. You can find out more details, KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. And of course, the word junior is spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. All right, we've got Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a moment. Now, it's going to be a fascinating conversation with Jeff Sintel because the one point we've tried to make on the show this week is is that the pursuit of downs is you know far from the only thing that georgia has had going on as of late what we have been saying is is that when you look at the energy with which georgia approached kind of the first big visit weekend for the class of 2025 last weekend when you look at the way in which you know georgia's had coaches all about it's been great to see t rob on the road for uga been great to see uh, kirby smart getting so much face time and a lot of the, a lot of cases with like say recent alabama decommits that's been really interesting it just seems like you know kirby smart is and his and his staff they are as aggressive on the trail right now as they've ever been and i know what a big statement that is to sort of make that statement on our show here today but that just sort of seems like where this is here right now so obviously we're following all that really closely Jeff Sintel's following it even more closely and so he's going to have some really good stuff for us here coming up in a couple of minutes time can't wait to do that with Jeff before that though uh let me go around the doghouse and it's poured today by our friends at the finish long drink and let me give you sort of my perspective of where this stands with downs here right now so we have talked about, well, if he's going to come to Georgia, how do you get him into his class? You know, school's already started. Drop out, I believe, is already over. I was never a great student anyway. I'm certainly far removed from my college years. So there are plenty of people who know more about the academic part of this than I do. But as Connor Riley pointed out when he joined us for our uh, RS Andrews cool down the other day, we were kind of talking about the initial part of this Caleb Down stuff that, you know, hey, you know, talk to Jerry Moorhead, you talk to, you know, sort of high-ranking university officials, there's sort of a way to make stuff happen. In the case of Caleb Downs, obviously, if he wants to come to Georgia, Georgia's going to figure that way academically, you would think, to sort of make that happen. But there's also the other part of this, which is online chatter would suggest that, you know, Downs has also visited with Ohio State coaches, that when he made the decision to go to Alabama before, it was sort of Ohio State very much in the mix georgia in the mix too and frankly at that particular time georgia was probably no better than the bronze medalist for caleb down services there seems to be a lot of belief that pecking order has changed now to the point where georgia may be the most uh desirable landing spot here for downs but as long as this stays kind of unresolved i will just admit as long as this stays unresolved you know the more i sort of view it as a possibility well something could happen i don't have any reason to tell you obviously anything different than what you're probably reading on the internet which is it certainly seems like it's quite likely that caleb downs ends up at georgia and it's quite likely that happens some time here on this friday i certainly don't have anything to dispute that but we also sort of live in an age until the until the contract is signed so to speak until it's all said and done it seems like anything can happen and obviously a program like ohio state is going to probably try to do anything it can to get involved here and admittedly we're going to get into some some of the weird stuff with ohio state a little bit later on but what's a little bit less weird is is they have been pretty aggressive this offseason they go out and get quinshawn judkins from old miss as a for instance they've been able to hold on to some of the players in their program that perhaps had nfl decisions to make it seems like and we have this down in the sec too of course and this is kind of the big tense version of this that ohio state is trying its best to offer a strong response to the fact that michigan won the national championship now i've also said that i think there's a weird vibe around the buckeyes in that you know 
they wanted to move off from Kyle McCord at the quarterback spot. I don't quite know how well they've upgraded there on that. That's my personal opinion. Maybe others disagree on that. So I can't quite read the full vibe around Ohio State, but while there have been some odd things that have gone on, and we'll get to another quite strange thing related to Ohio State here in a moment, the truth is is they can point to some wins, perhaps most prominently the fact that Quinshawn Judkins, one of the SEC star players from a year ago, is now on his way to Ohio State. So maybe all of that is uh, a possible foreshadowing of the fact that you know they're perhaps involved a little bit here in this for Georgia. And I guess the longer this thing goes unresolved, uh, you kind of wonder, will there be a mystery team that also slides in here too? Is, is, is there a chance that someone could sort of wrestle their way in at the uh, last minute, I, I don't know. I just I, I know this. I think I speak on behalf of all Georgia fans when I say that the news we've all been kind of waiting on for the last couple of days here, it'll be very, very nice if indeed the hay truly gets in the barn on this. And at some point in time here on this Friday, we can announce that Caleb Downs is truly transferring uh, to, to Georgia. Now, what's also funny, too, is and I don't I'm not going to get into this right now because I don't know that I have anything new to offer on this is the notion from some Georgia fans that, hey, it may not just be down. There may be more Alabama players on their way to uh, UGA. I don't have anything new to give you on that here right now, but we're obviously on guard for anything here. In these unprecedented times, as Georgia seems to be doing everything it can to uh, build on itself, and uh, perhaps some of that coming at the expense of Alabama, which dog fans definitely do not hate. We'll make that around the doghouse here today, poured by our friends at the uh, Finish Long Drink. And as you wait on Caleb Downs to make his decision, now Downs is not 21, so he can't do this, but you can do this while you're waiting on Caleb Downs to uh, do what he's going to do. You can enjoy some Finish Long Drink, including here in the Peach State for a very limited time, some peach-flavored version of the Finish Long Drink. That is always a really good thing. Or if you go to longdrink.com, you can find about all the other varieties of the finished long drink whether it's the traditional it's the blue can the grapefruit flavor the gin kick y'all know i think after all these years that still remains my favorite here on all of this or it's the long drink cranberry the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar i sort of feel like post royal caribbean cruise which i have coming up the long drink sugar might be a good choice for me for a little while uh, maybe uh, maybe go easy on the carbs and sugar just for a little bit. Probably a wise choice. Either way, whichever version of the finished long drink you think you're going to enjoy, I promise you will. So make sure you check them out online, thelongdrink.com, for more on that. Now, before we get Jeff's intel, uh, let me just also say one more thing to you here as well. Speaking of Royal Caribbean Cruises, ongoing right now at dognation.com, your chance courtesy of our friends at Kroger to register for your chance to win your way onto the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. Now, some of you know, next week I'm on Icon of the Seas. Can't wait for that. In April, we're all going to be together on Allure of the Seas, and someone's going to win their way in. So here's how it works. If you go to dognation.com right now, super easy to see right there kind of the top of the page click in just give us your information and we're going to ask you a simple question tell us your favorite memory from brock bowers georgia career now this can be anything uh we're going to draw one of those entries at random and that person along with the guest going to get a stateroom for two on board allure of the seas in april a hotel the night before there in the port canaveral area near the port a gas card to help with some of your travel down to 
Port Canaveral, and of course, some onboard credit to enjoy when you're on Allure of the Seas. Now, if you're already on our Dog Nation cruise, I've been telling you, you're still eligible to win this, and we'll just credit that back to you if you are the winner here on this. So no harm, no foul on any of that. This is a really cool thing last year. We had a great winner, and we had a great time celebrating with them on board. So maybe this year it could be you. So please go to dognation.com to find out more about that. That is dognation.com, of course. Uh, a cruise giveaway, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. You can be with us in the Dog Nation cruise on Allure of the Seas coming up in April. All right, before we're done today, I told you there is still some weird news coming out of Ohio State, and SEC fans have a particularly interesting vantage point for this. I also talked about a war of words between a kind of a passive-aggressive war of words between a couple of SEC coaches. We'll get to that here coming up in just a little bit, too. So some fun SEC-themed news to get to before our show is done here today. That is all on the way. But for now, on everything as it relates to UGA recruiting, we told you it's been busy around that front here as of late. And a couple thoughts on the Caleb Down stuff, too. Let's get ready to talk to Jeff Sintel here on a Friday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, time now to talk to Jeff Sintel. And uh, Jeff, the theme of today's show is we're sort of playing the waiting game here a little bit. We're kind of biding time. You know, obviously, we're also recording this on a Friday morning. People kind of know that. So, you know, perhaps by the time we get to that, you know, afternoon hour, a lot of people kind of watch the show later on demand, so to speak. Maybe they'll know more than we do now. But for now, it's kind of TikTok here on Caleb Downs. Uh, anything new to offer on this, Jeff? It sort of seems like, uh, you know, the inquiring minds sort of think that, you know, Georgia sits in a pretty good spot here. But as long as it stays an open issue, there's always a chance for whether it be Ohio State, which we're led to believe had, had their opportunity to kind of make their pitch to Downs or maybe some sort of mystery team swooping in here. Uh, is that kind of where things stand on the Caleb front in your mind? I tell you what, Brandon, here's what's funny. Um, we've been doing this a few years now, more than a minute, as uh, the kids would like to say. And uh, this is probably the one thing on the Georgia beat where, like, you started hearing things, I don't know, several days ago, and it's now reached the point in the come on downs or Caleb Downs watch where uh, people are just people are just putting themselves out there, making predictions. They're saying, you know, hey, readership, because Brandon, you and I, we know, we know we don't operate in a vacuum. We know there are other sites that um, do report on the dogs out there, and everybody's like, you know, with very, very full chest and very full flex. They're like, a lot of people really believe that number two right there on your screens is going to be a dog, and he's going to uh, help take them to uh, continued heights. And I mean, I think the thing to think about, that's the thing that I think most football guys would think about is. What are you going to do with potentially the top two safeties in America or the fir- the two first-team All-America safeties or two Thorpe Award finalists in the same backfield, on the same back end? I think I think, that, I think Kirby, might, Kirby Smart might get some sleep next season if both of his uh, safeties are one Starks and Caleb Downs. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would ask you is how does that change a defense? It's clearly great to have a player like Downs who could be – I mean, literally, he could be – you know the the best player in the country you know next year certainly the very best at his position but if you do have two safeties the likes of Starks and Downs I mean how does specifically that change your defense I think it's going to give you a chance uh either it's going to 
tell those running quarterbacks I might as well get my three or four yards instead of throwing it downfield and just take off for the chains or it might give a guy like a a, a Damon Wilson instead of having a seven sack season next year he might have a 10 sack season next year because they're going to just cover it up and I, I, the other thing is just flying down in the run game I mean though I don't know if people really realize that Caleb Downs led Alabama in tackles last year. He had over 100 tackles. First of all, freshmen don't do that at Bama, even Nick Saban's Bama. And he was like the first freshman to lead the tackle, to lead the team in tackles since they've really been keeping statistics beyond the 70s, going back past the 70s. So you start putting that type of athlete together and, you know, you got a guy, you know, Malachi is probably the better athlete of the two, which is kind of really kicking tires on a Testarossa here. But uh, but then you've got Caleb Downs, who probably would do almost everything Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and now uh, T-Rob would want him to do on the back end. It, it would give Georgia a lot of confidence. You know, we, we know that front seven still won't be NFL first-round pick heavy like the 2021 team or even the 2022 team, but now you start adding in pieces like a, an Ellis Robinson potentially on the, on, the other, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the perimeter on the island, and then you've got you know, Julian Humphrey, uh, who probably will have, needs to have, should have, is poised to have his best season as a dog. And all of a sudden, that secondary, Brandon, you got to start talking about that secondary when Georgia had lost Javon Bullard, man. He's mocked to go as a second-round pick. And Tyke Smith, who was in some circles one of the five highest-graded safeties a year ago, all of a sudden, the safety position, you throw in a Jake Pope, you throw in a, a Dirty Dan Jackson. You throw in a second-year Janelle Aguero. You throw in Ja'Cory Thomas, a guy we continue to hear great things about. And not only not only might Georgia easily have the best linebacker room in the SEC, they would easily have the best safeties room in the SEC. I'm going to just ask you this. I'm going to let it hang for a second. Uh, Georgia's already, as you said, added Jake Pope. There is a thought here that Caleb Downs could be on his way. We're waiting to find out a final resolution on that. Do you think if Downs were to come, is that the final Alabama transfer to Georgia for this particular cycle? I, I would say so. I mean, <laughs> wait up, you know, Otis, if he jumps in the, if he jumps in the portal, I think, I think uh, Travion Scott and Glenn Schumann would, would be there with, you know, with bated breath waiting on him. Because I think the defensive tackle spot, that true kind of nose is still something Georgia needs to kind of make sure they have, uh, have a plethora of options for, but, I'll tell you what, Brandon, I said this on my show this week on Before the Hedges. I said the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. Let's not be naive here. I think if a talent like Caleb Downs comes to Georgia with two seasons of eligibility, some of Georgia's safeties or safeties of the future uh, would probably start thinking about, you know, maybe I need to go play elsewhere. You know, there's a lot of inviting homes these days. Purdue, Florida State, Kentucky, Syracuse, just to name a few. I think a, a move like Downs would probably also cause some portal portal transfers, some portal exports uh, from the Bulldogs secondary as well. So on a more serious note for me, um, I've talked about this this week, that, and I didn't realize what a statement this is. The aggressive way in which Georgia has gone about recruiting the last week, I think it's unmatched compared to anything we've seen thus far in the Kirby Smart era. And I know how like bold that statement is, but like the visual of – Mason Short decommits from Alabama after having taken the visit to George and like the Kirby copters flying like five minutes later, which all could have been coincidence. I'm not trying to say it was all perfectly timed, but boy, it sure did look like it was. 
perfectly timed that Kirby Copter going to Mason's high school, you know, right after the decommitment, you know, the photo of Kirby and Jamie French, and obviously a lot of the stuff, not just, it's not just the Alabama connection here with a lot of these recruits, but, you know, it's a lot of the guys who were kind of visiting this past weekend. I mean, how much have you seen, Jeff, you know, from Kirby and this staff here this week, you know, specifically with guys like Short, where it just sort of seems like, man, they are as aggressive as possible to make as much hay at like the very beginning of this 2025 cycle as they possibly can. And admittedly, a lot of this kind of coming at the expense of Alabama, seeing some decommits here, very much square on Georgia's radar. What have you made about all of that? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of points to make there. First of all, great job on the melts, great job on the videos. I think they've got Kirby basically doing everything but kissing babies in the the parade or something like that all over Columbia County, up and down Bel Air Road. Shout out to anybody that knows what I'm talking about there when I say uh, Bel Air Road. But um, but and it's also kind of funny. Like you've noticed other fan bases on social media. Like the thing you don't want to see right now. There's two points right now. You don't want to see Kirby Smart at your high school taking a cheesy picture, yeah. cheesing with your commitment. Because he's done that with a few schools already, and he's done that with almost everyone now. It's kind of it's kind of weird how this week, Brandon, you were talking about how, you know, Georgia's just very aggressive, and some people are making the points. I think some, some of our viewers on Before the Hedges made the point, like blood in the water and Georgia yeah. is going to try and put a chokehold on college football all in one week. There's only one more. There's only one other week that I think in the smart time era at Georgia that feels this busy, that feels this fluid. Let's make sure we get our recruiting guy bingo card all checked off here with all of our spots. But Brandon, do you remember that? I think it was the 2018 uh, signing class. I know because I was pulling off the side of the road like three times trying to make a two and a half hour drive home. And it was like Channing Tindall decided to jump in, and then it was another guy, and then they got Cade Mays earlier in the day. Like it seemed like every hour Georgia was doing something bold and you know incredible on the recruiting trail. They were guys that were just like, you know, Georgia. That was the year Georgia had like seven, eight, five stars in the class, and recruits were like, "Well, I was going to wait till February," or "Well, I didn't know what I was going to do," but then I saw all these guys Georgia was stacking up, and they're like, "I just better jump in." This kind of feels like that type of momentum where Georgia's everywhere. You've got Georgia just after a junior day. You've got maybe a Juju Lewis reclassification. You've got a decommitment of Mason Short. You've got the Caleb Downs watch. You've got Kirby everywhere. And that was kind of the prelude to that was I think every Georgia staffer tried to get uh, 10 schools, in-state schools apiece on when they all went first day out. Uh, last week so it, it is a blitz of all things and then I then Brandon I kind of combine it with like that seven eight nine ten guys I've talked to from that weekend already and how great it was for guys like especially Elijah Griffin uh, especially Travis Smith Jr. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Perlotti gave me a really insightful look at the weekend um, you got a lot of guys telling you that it just feels like it's Georgia right now on top of the mountain and there's nobody really close to the summit I want to ask you more about Elijah Griffin here coming up in a moment prior to that. Another big story this week has been the fact that Julian Lewis, elite 2026 quarterback, now reclassifying to 2025. He's also taking visits. I believe the first visit he announced post-reclassification was to Georgia, slated to take place next month. What does that mean? You know, you know, what does the reclassification story for Lewis mean for Georgia's chances to kind of get back in on the young man from Carrollton here? 
Yeah, there's a lot of speculation that this USC commitment won't stick. That might have to do with uh, Lincoln Riley's tenure uh, at USC. It's also pretty far away from his southern roots. Um, I, I just feel like that recruitment, first of all, this is the type of player, uh, Brandon, I think it speaks volumes when Juju reclassifies and he goes immediately to, in some of the services to the number one uh, quarterback in the country for the 2025 class or the number number three, number two overall prospect for 2025. That's how talented he is, Brandon. You've seen it. You've called the games. 96 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, probably unparalleled accuracy. Um, the way he processes the game, the way, the way Joey King puts a lot on his plate and he just eats it up. <clears throat> and there's a lot of things I, I really like about Julian Juju, the way he's played at the high level, the way he's he's got so much on his shoulders, the way it seems like every ball's out maybe a tenth of a second or a half second um, earlier than it should be or it should be for a really good high school quarterback. Um, makes great decisions. You know, we can kick the tires on him a little bit and say, will he be a first-round draft pick? Probably not because I don't think he's going to grow to 6'3". And may, he may stay in that 6'1 range, 6'2", 185, 195-pound range where you know, I think a very common parallel is um, Bryce Young, former Alabama great Bryce Young. Bryce Young, I do realize, went number one overall, but, I mean, he won't have that prototype number one type look to him. Uh, I remember Joey King telling me a couple moons ago, he said, uh, I'd put him, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I'd put him in the same category as Trevor Lawrence right now. And he says, I realize he's not 6'4 like Trevor, but that type of rare high school player, the rare high school difference maker, signal caller, quarterback, um, and when he said that, and then the numbers started to stack up, it was just obvious. I think he becomes the number one target for Georgia at quarterback, even with like Ryan Montgomery uh, coming in on the 22nd, a really very talented, very capable quarterback uh, in the class of 2025. But Georgia continues to offer. They offered a young man out of Pennsylvania last night, uh, big six foot four quarterback, another top 200 overall prospect. So Georgia's really looking. And I think, excuse me, I think the thing that must be must be said here, though, is I do expect the Julian Lewis uh, recruitment to have a significant NIL component, mm-hmm. which will be always be interesting with Georgia. I'll squeeze in one more thing before we uh, let you go here. Uh, to me, and I know you've got some stuff coming on this at DogNation.com, I believe. To me, as significant a development as anything for Georgia the last week seems to be some very forward momentum with Elijah Griffin coming off of his visit this past weekend. Jeff, I think I've told you this before. I just view Griffin to be as important as any recruit that's out there, and I've kind of felt that way for about you know six months at least in terms of you got to have the elite defensive lineman. You know, this is a guy that's kind of been you know on the open market so to speak, and to think you know first weekend kind of out of the gate in 2025 that you know Georgia's in that spot with you know him to impress him on campus and seems to have some forward steps being taken. I think it's a pretty big deal for Georgia. What can you tell us about uh, Georgia and Griffin here right now? Uh, Brandon, you and I have these euphemisms. I know you like to look through comments and quotes, and you like to hear him say family, mm-hmm. or you like to hear him say feels like home. Well, yeah. uh, Griffin said Georgia felt like home to me like back in 2022. Uh, that's how much he's loved Georgia. Georgia's made him feel like a priority. Um, and I got a new one. You know, Brandon, everybody likes to follow the visits. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I like it when you bring your grandma to see, check out Georgia in January. 
because yeah. uh, grandma grandma edna went and checked out georgia this past weekend along with elijah um such good story there his 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 grandfather ulysses listen to that name brandon ulysses he was a wrestler in the in the army he was a college wrestler at Ar- wrestler at army wow uh, and, and you got this background and you know we've got a really good story it'll be up on dognation.com today that you know i expect elijah to say oh my gosh kirby smart said something awesome and Travion Scott said something that got me vibing. And then I love the facilities and the guys were great. And then the commitments were all working on me, wanting me to commit. And and I would be going against iron sharpens irons. You know, I try to, I try to, you know, especially with my experience level here, I try to find more for readers than that. And when you learn that grandmas are coming, and when you learn that he tells me he says he loves everything about Georgia, he couldn't name the thing he loves the most about Georgia because there's like six things. I think that's significant uh, when you're looking at Elijah Griffin right there. Of course, he's highly rated. He's he's number one in the country across the DL. He's number three overall in terms of prospects right now. But Elijah's got this – I'm just going to say it, Brandon. He's got this thing that makes you think, these are the guys that Georgia signs. These are the guys that Georgia wins with. And these are the guys that Georgia puts in the first round of the NFL draft. I'd probably pump the brakes on everybody saying that, you know, he's going to be Jalen Carter this or Jalen Carter that. I don't know if he's that same type of player just because Jalen looked like the Hulk at times in high school, playing tight end, throwing down 180 dunks, um, showing a lot of savvy and a lot of acumen on the basketball court. Um, Elijah Griffith is mighty good, mighty, mighty good, very, very good. But I'm going to leave that 88. 88 squared circle there uh, as a one of one right now for Georgia. But uh, everybody wants Elijah Griffin. Uh, Everybody loves him at Savannah Christian. The story is going to really show him as a humble and a grateful young man. And he even described kind of a miracle in his career that allowed him to get to where he is today. And he takes none of this for granted. And Georgia obviously really wants him. Brandon, I, I remember stories of him as he was a rising sophomore, as a rising junior coming to Georgia's camps in June and really just throwing folks away. Kind of like, I'm trying to get a smile from you here, buddy, but it was like one of those Royal Rumbles where the big guy finally gets into the ring and he starts just throwing folks over the top rope. That was kind of what Elijah Griffin was like. All right, last thing for you, Jeff. Um, Last night, team out and get a chance to play a little darts. We do this every January. We kind of get together as a uh, team because it's hard for us to do that uh, during, you know, christmas we see a lot of you know folks you know we don't always see in person a lot during the year so we saw our group get together last night play a little darts who were you impressed with on the uh, dart throwing form last night uh, as the entirety of the dog nation group got together there in the atlanta area well i think we've got a we, you got to wonder about who picks these places brandon because like there might be some ulterior motives behind this yeah. first of all uh i'd never thrown a dart in my life people were telling me like Hey, Jeff, you got to get a lower score. You want to get down to zero, and triple rings are good. I got to gotta say our best dart player was probably our, our our leader, B.J. Sweeney. He was a guy that he looked like he was on a par three and sticking them all like six feet away from the yeah, cup. Yeah, people have heard us mention B.J. before. He is our fearless leader around here. Of course, we always uh, love and respect him, but he comes from like, like the sort of the darkest corner of like new york where it's like you know snowy like 10 months out of the year people from that part of the world they just don't see the sunshine so anything that's like bowling or darts or 
curling, you know, the thing when you do like anything like that, they're going to be good at because you said the sun doesn't shine up there. So uh, BJ was, I will admit, a very good dart thrower, far far better than me, of course. It's kind of funny. I kind of number one, we noticed everybody remarked how many members of our team are left-handed. There's actually yeah. a lot. I'm in the I'm in the Southpaw Club there, but like I also I also thought there was, was kind of interesting how some of our teammates were like. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're just throwing darts, guys. I mean, if you've never thrown darts, it's okay. I mean, you're not going to be great at it. You're not going to be triple 20s right off the bat. Uh, Look at you using it, lingo. <laughs> this guy went from never throwing a dart to now he's using lingo. I love well, that. We had guys, we had members of the team talking and being exuberant in their dart throwing skills uh, last night. And I thought it was funny. I mean, to make your point clear about BJA. If there's ever one, you remember those games, Brandon? I think you and I have played them at bowl weekends or bowl media events where it's kind of like bowling and it's kind of like shuffleboard where you put all that, you put all that sawdust. No, it's not sawdust, but you put all that chalk put on the, the sand. It's sand. Yeah, it's sand. I and do enjoy the shuffleboard you, game. I do enjoy that. I, I'm sure BJ would be good at that too because probably they were so. like, well, we got to stay inside with no windows and yeah. let's just have fun. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Well, speaking of having fun, Jeff, always have fun with you here. Thanks for getting up. Next time we speak, we'll be from a brand new studio. We're kind of excited about that, although we will hear from you next week, though. You were kind enough to do one of our pre recorded shows, so I certainly appreciate that. Uh, Jeff, I know you'll be watching the Caleb Down stuff closely today and then whatever else comes after that. Obviously, a lot of irons in the fire for UJ recruiting here right now. So thank you so much, Jeff. Your information is always terrific. Really Really, really appreciate that. And we'll look forward to seeing you again here on Dog Nation Daily. And for those watching on video, a chance to see in person uh, your handsome face showing off on the screen here today. That's an added plus there, too. So we certainly appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. Have a good week next week, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I always get tanged up, tangled up in the court. It's never very graceful. Uh, move when that happens but the point is as uh, Jeff said I am looking forward to having fun next week so quick programming note uh, as we get ready to slide into a cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean so I put my money where my mouth is in the standpoint that I am about to be on that Royal Caribbean cruise vacation so next week you've been hearing me say this so much next week gonna be on board icon of the sea so that is going down next week there for me i'm among the very first now i am not the very first there are a few people will get a chance to be on there for, uh before me but like i'm among the very first because i believe like next week is the first week that anybody's actually going to do any sailing on it i'm not the first i think i'm like the second maybe I, th I think that may be the case either way i'm super excited about it and i can't wait to come and tell all of you about it there as well and it's amazing to me how many folks you know come up to me and they're always asking yeah you're gonna be an icon of the seas you're gonna do this you're gonna be able to see this and i get the chance to say yes i am and i'm thrilled about it first of all i want to say thank you to royal caribbean for inviting me to be a part of this next week i cannot tell you how thrilled i am about that just because i am i'm into this I'm, i, I want to see it i'm, I'm dying to, to to see it you know just for my own personal desires and so it was very kind of royal caribbean to invite me to be a part of this cannot wait for that and also can't wait to come back and tell all of you about it there as well and really it keeps the theme going of what we've said before a wonderful year for royal caribbean the debut of icon starting next week uh, the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. Utopia of the Seas debuts in July. So our great friend Jessica Slater can help you out with all of that. Now, when it comes to the Dog Nation cruise specifically, I want you to go to royaldogs.com because when you hear me talking about Icon and all that stuff, it ought to be for you a signal that you can plan your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And there's no better one 
than the one we're all going to be a part of there in April. We're already hearing from folks all the time. We're like, we're going to be there. We're looking forward to it. And you can be there as well. So we want to see you on board. Uh, Allure of the Seas coming up in April for our Dog Nation cruise. RoyalDogs.com for more on that. Jessica Slater, great travel agent. She's going to help you with everything that you need. So quick reminder here as we get ready to go cruising around the SEC. So starting Monday, we're going to have a week's worth of pre-recorded shows. We've worked very hard on these. Uh, all the great guests you've come to expect, they're all going to be here. We're also doing something brand new next week for the very first time. We're going to call it Kaylee's Corner with Kaylee Manzel. You know, normally it's me asking the questions here next week. A little bit on the show, we're going to give Kaylee a chance to turn the tables and actually ask me a few questions here and uh, just get a chance to have a little bit more of Kaylee on the uh, broadcast, which I'm excited about, plus some fun topics and just really, really good stuff. All of that on the way for next week. So that is Dog Nation Daily. And then those shows were recorded in this studio. And then the week after that, brand new studio. So we got all kinds of fun things going on around here. Now, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean for a moment. So we told you about this yesterday just briefly. Very, very interesting sort of development as it relates to a longtime Ole Miss assistant who Lane Kevin at one point in time completely disregarded the idea that he might leave. Well, now it seems like he is leaving for Auburn. And we certainly have some evidence that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are a little bit salty about this. I think we have this to show you here. Yeah, so here is uh, the announcement that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin made when Derek Nix left. Uh, they say, we are grateful for Coach Nix and express our gratitude to Derek and his family for their invaluable contributions and dedication to the success we've achieved here at Ole Miss. Acknowledging the opportunity to become a first-time play caller with full-time play calling duties as offensive coordinator at Auburn University, we extend our sincere well wishes to the Knicks family this new endeavor. We're going to begin our search for a new wide receivers coach immediately with the objective of finding the best fit uh, to coach the top wide receiver room in America. That was the statement from Lane Kiffin. Now, a couple of reasons why this is interesting. Is this actually jumped the gun on the official announcement from Auburn? So uh, Ole Miss actually sort of let the cat out of the bag on the uh, Knicks announcement from Auburn. And also, you know, the notion of, well, he's going to go there and for the very first time in his career gets to be a play caller with play calling duties, essentially saying he was a little more than just a figurehead there at Ole Miss. That's a little bit of a slight, some people thought. And it's also one of those deals of, you know, Auburn just moved off of Philip Montgomery's offensive court. And a lot of folks have kind of wondered what Hugh Freeze's role in that offense is going to be. And much the same way that Lane Kiffin was sort of stirring the pot with uh, Pete Golding and not Pete Golding, he's at Ole Miss now, but, uh, you know, Kevin Steele at Alabama and who was in control of the defense for the Crimson Tide last year. Some of that sort of feels like this. So this is one of those soap operas that kind of got lost in the radar, a little bit lost under the you know surface a little bit this week just because of everything else that's been going on. But kind of a fun back and forth between Hugh Freeze at Auburn, uh, 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 Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss, some kind of fun stuff going on with uh, all of that. Now, strange story coming out of Columbus, Ohio, where, as we said a little earlier, I've told you before, I think there are a lot of weird vibes around Ohio State. Uh, and it, admittedly, it's not all been bad. As we said, they brought in Quinshawn Judkins. They've kept a couple of players in the program for next year. So it seems like there's some good stuff going on. But one of the things that's a little bit strange is, adding to all of this, is it looks like they are poised to bring in Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator. And I'm here to tell you, this is not being received well from Ohio State fans. Uh, you know, this is the guy most recently. Patriots offensive coordinator was at Alabama. Alabama fans weren't happy with him. Uh, <laughs> O'Brien has just seemingly you know gone from job to job, but not always with you know the greatest level of, of success, including times working with coaches like Nick Saban and Bill and uh, Bill Belichick, 
who almost everyone has been successful with, but O'Brien has sort of had a lesser level of success on all of that. And the thought here is is that O'Brien is coming to be offensive coordinator and Ryan Day, who like the the sort of the best thing about Day is his offensive play calling abilities, but it seems like some of the chatter coming out of Columbus right now is he could be willing to give that up to bring in O'Brien. I uh, have to say, I have no idea what any of this is about. I really don't. You know, the one thing that makes Ohio State, I would think, pretty formidable is Day's ability to kind of coach in game. Now, he kind of turtles up a little bit, you know, in the fourth quarter as he did in the Peach Bowl uh, against Georgia. So maybe O'Brien's there to sort of prevent that. (coughs) Excuse me. But beyond that, I mean, Day's a pretty good offensive coach. Like, why you want Bill O'Brien? does not necessarily make a lot of sense to me, but nonetheless, that's the chatter. Buckeyes fans don't seem too happy on this either. Another point uh, on another topic. Uh, It looks like the federal government of the United States could be looking to get involved with what has been ongoing about the restriction on transfers around college football. You may have seen some of this. Ross Dellinger from now Yahoo Sports had some of that the other day. So, basically it looks like we saw a court rule against the the one-time transfer rule uh, a few weeks ago and that mostly involved basketball players but we said at the time that's perhaps a little bit of a precursor to what the future is going to be where the NCAA without kind of declaring the athletes as employees and engaging in some form of collective bargaining I'm talking about college sports overall is going to have a hard time enforcing some sort of transfer rule against the sport or, you know, in, in, in their various sports. And look, legally, I guess I get all of this. I mean, to me, it sort of seems like, you know, if you wanted a different outcome, you could just interpret the law differently because it certainly seems like over the course of the last few decades, these laws, you know, have just been interpreted differently based on whatever public opinion about college athletics was at the time. But I'm not a lawyer. I can't say that for sure. So I get the legal part of this. Everybody seems pretty convinced that the law on this is fairly straightforward. The NCAA and college athletics you know, in general, just don't have the right to restrict these transfers. But I got to tell you, you know, at any point in time, this is the question I think you have to ask yourself. At any point in time, is someone with some power, someone with some authority, someone from like that sort of the top corridors of of, of power in America, is anyone going to come in and say, hey, we don't necessarily want, you know, college athletics to die a death by a thousand cuts, blow after blow after blow after blow to its ability to sort of organize itself around some sort of rules and sort of some sort of protection of the system. And that's not to say that we're completely resistant to all forms of change, whether it be NIL, transfer portal, things like that. I mean, I would say that most of the changes around college athletics, for the most part, have been changes for the better. But this idea that you have no ability to enforce rules in any form or fashion, I don't know how college athletics can remain recognizable if that's the 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 pace with with which all of this is going to move. the The thing you're going to hear me say a lot, and you've probably heard me say this before. Moving forward, they're going to be like two camps. You're in the camp of I'm okay with some change, but I think that the system is mostly good and needs to be protected. Or I'm in the camp of I think the system is mostly corrupt and therefore it needs to be torn down. And if that's the if that's the camp that you're in, then you need to say that out loud and people need to decide for themselves of, you know, are we really going to sit here and allow, you know, college football to keep in college athletics in general? But in this case, we're talking about college football to keep changing so radically that one day we look around and say, I don't even recognize this anymore. Is that really where we're going to go with all this? I don't know. But someone smarter than me probably needs to step up and wonder that. 
uh, here pretty soon. Let me also give you one more thing real quick. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, Alabama, from a media standpoint, is clearly trying to circle the wagons here in the early days of the Kalen DeBoer era. You've seen you know, Chris Lowe, the ESPN reporter, who for the most part really acts as little more than a stenographer for the Alabama football program. You know, he had a story at ESPN.com about, oh, the players who are not transferring. Boy, they just believe in what's happening here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and then you've also got Greg McElroy, who admittedly is an Alabama grad. Uh, here's a quote from McElroy about Dan Lanning, who I think most of us sort of thought was the top candidate for this job, the one they should have hired. Uh, McElroy says that the that Lanning was never going to happen. He says, I'm telling you, with some knowledge of how it was going to go down, Lanning wasn't even an option because not only was there a $20 million buyout, but there's a different contract built into his contract that would have exceeded 2025 to go to $30 million for him to get to the table to negotiate. I'm not even sure what that means. But basically... Greg McElroy is saying that they weren't going to even consider Dan Lanning because the buyout to get him hired was too expensive. This is a program that's had the same coach for a million years. They're not, I mean, most programs, a lot of programs are paying a buyout to a coach over three or four years. Alabama hasn't had to do that, but according to McElroy, just too expensive to go out and get Dan Lanning. Um, I don't believe Greg McElroy on this. I do like McElroy as an analyst. I don't believe him on this, but if he were telling the truth that Alabama truly didn't consider Dan Lanning because of a buyout and instead chose to hire a coach like DeBoer who's good and actually beat Lanning on the field a couple of times this year we'll acknowledge that and also beat him in 2022 as well but if you chose DeBoer over Lanning because of Lanning's buyout then you've probably made one of the dumbest decisions you could ever make because of the fact that what Lanning has deep knowledge of the SEC he's worked at Alabama he was Georgia's defensive coordinator recruits all over the place he's a better recruiter than Kalen DeBoer but if you chose to bore over Lanning because of Lanning's buyout, then you've truly made, I believe, what's going to end up being proved as one of the most regrettable decisions anyone could make. Now, listen, DeBoer could still be successful, but we're seeing in the early days here, he's having a hard time kind of figuring out the landscape in the SEC. We just play full contact down here. We throw elbows, and DeBoer thus far is showing himself not to be used to that. Lanning would have been more ready for that. So if it is true what Greg McElroy says, that Alabama chose not to go in the direction of Lanning because the buyout, what a mistake that could end up looking like. And for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as we wrap up here today, first of all, best wishes to the Georgia basketball team in a Rupp Arena on Saturday against Kentucky. Uh, Georgia, can they still be road warriors? They've won a couple times already on the road in the SEC. Can they do it again at Rupp? I don't know, but uh, we'll certainly be wishing them well as they try that. We're having a good time with this basketball team here right now. And speaking of good times, let's close out our week here with some golden shoes. And speaking of Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation, how about Dina Pruitt? Uh, they're enjoying themselves in Barbados right now where she says the temperature's 80 two degrees i'll take that it's like they're on jewel of the seas i'll take that uh any day over the cold weather we've been having here in georgia so dina hope y'all are enjoying that and having a, a really good time we appreciate that golden shoe going out to you for that uh south georgia dogs send this to me the idea that jim harbaugh could be going to the nfl uh brian kelly possible replacement it's been rumored he says how about a golden shoe from south georgia dog for the man and his family he says if he goes up there to the, take the Michigan job, he won't have to fake that Cajun accent any longer. Funny stuff from South Georgia Dog. Uh, we'll give him a golden shoe for that there, too. And how about this one? Uh, there was some talk the other day about a little bit too much facial hair on me, not shaving. And then uh, our buddy uh, UGA Nation 412 says, I'm out here ready to deliver some presents next year. I don't know that I quite have the full-on white full beard, but 
I was a little unshaven a little earlier this week as some point out pointed out so we will give uh, UGA Nation a uh, golden shoe for that the uh, white beard not looking too bad unfortunately matching the uh, ever-growing whiteness of my hair there as well so uh, funny stuff to UGA Nation a uh, golden shoe going there and then our buddy uh, Georgia Bulldoge who we talked about the other day speaking of Lane Kiffin who Kiffin retweeted and we talked about that on the show and he says when you're watching your favorite podcast and they feature your tweet he says i appreciate y'all well we appreciate you too because it was a very very funny thing from george bulldoge so we will give him a golden shoe for that there as well how about the lousy stinking gators long time since they've beaten george and the good news is while i'm gone next week that number is going to keep on climbing 1168 days is where it stands right now so that is our gator hater updater we'll see you next week for a great week of pre-recorded shows and then back the following week and i'll tell you all about my time on icon of the seas and we'll sort of figure out what's next for these dogs there as well it's dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll talk to you then everybody